Yes, the reading is from Ephesians. It's chapter 3, starting at verse 14. If you want to follow it in your Bibles, it's on page uh, 1185. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we might ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks Chris. And I'm glad I got your name right this time. Chris knows what I'm talking about. Uh, so this morning we continue to look at our mission and values. Uh, to be honest, I've not got a clue what Steve's preached on. Um, it just gave me this Ephesians passage and said, oh, we're doing mission and values and you've got to talk about radical disciples. <laughs> easy peasy, lemon squeezer. <laughs> The reading comes from Ephesians, and at the moment at Trinity, we're actually going through the old book um, of Ephesians, uh, and we're just about over two-thirds of the way through the book. Paul is writing to the Christians, forgive me if, if you know your church history, but not all of us do, but Paul is writing to the Christian church in Ephesus, teaching the Christians who they are. Paul's works are so relevant, it's not just for the church 2,000 years ago who were finding a new way of life. This is for us too. The old Bible's for us, as you know. Paul wants all Christians to understand their identity in Christ. Paul's well-crafted prayer of Ephesians reveals so much. Paul tells us, this is going through the book of Ephesians, that we're all saints. We're all saints. We should all be full of faith in Jesus. We're chosen by God even before the foundation of the world. We're all appointed by God for adoption. Paul writes that we're redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus. He tells us that we're heirs obtaining an inheritance when we heard the word of truth living to the praise of his glory. We're made alive. We were made alive though we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for God's work. We are reconciled to God in one body so that there is no longer Jews or Gentiles, but simply Christians having equal access to the Father. 
and we are all part of God's church. That's what the book of Ephesians tells us in a nutshell. Ephesians is a full, it's a book full of rich knowledge and wisdom where Paul encourages us to be different, to stand out in the world as Christians, to be recognised as God's children and to encourage others to see what a difference God can make in life and in death. And today's reading teaches us that we've been strengthened in Christ. The thing is, we haven't just got to be strengthened in Christ. Paul is telling us that we've got to be deeply rooted in Christ. Deeply rooted in Christ. God wants you to know that you have strength. Many times, many of us can feel pretty weak in our Christian journey. I know there's times when I do, I was telling to Steve on it the other week, um, I've gone through, um, and, and I get this, it's like being in wilderness almost. It's where I don't engage with God's spirit for some reason. Um, and I have little moments like this, I'm sure we all do. Uh, and I have moments like this, sometimes it can last for a few days, sometimes it can be months. Uh, and usually when I get to back end, up to the other side of it and, I, and, and God in, engages again, it's me that's distant, not God. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm not thinking God and Jesus. I'm too busy thinking about worldly matters and my own problems. God wants you to know that you have strength. But here's the good news, because God wants you to know that that strength is available to every one of us, especially you, especially you sat here this morning. And the reality is, if we're totally rooted in Christ to the very foundation of our soul, we get to know the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. Paul wants us to be affirmed that we're strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit. So where does all this sit in our mission and vision values? Have you got the next slide, Adam, please? Our mission. We exist to be and to make disciples who love Jesus as their greatest treasure, learn Jesus as their way of life, and live Jesus for the renewal of the world. Can we have the second one? Sorry, we'll just leave it on that our values we are committed to being a church that lives radically don't you just love it when a priest says we've got to be radical <laughs> I wonder what goes through your mind when we use this kind of language well first I, I really think we should shortly explore that the world, what, the world, uh, what the word radical means because quite often we can relate the term radical to social or political thinking, a person's view which may seem a little different, which could be slightly removed to what we accept as the status quo. And we can think of radical reformers, thinkers, or I don't want to say it, but politicians this week. Politicians can be very radical at times. To put the word radical into the context of how we're going to use it, the word radical comes from the word Radix, which mean, it means root. It's the root of a tree or the root of a plant. So to live a radical life for Jesus isn't just about being 100% committed and being systematic in our discipleship. It's also about being rooted in Christ and in his spiritual disciplines that keep us rooted in him. The Apostle Paul is radical, but not in a way that may suit our easy way of life. Paul is radical about killing sin. He wants us to stop having fits of anger. He wants us to cut out our gossiping tongue. 
He wants us to be thankful in all circumstances. He wants us to pray. He wants us to get rid of greed. And he wants us to make sure we keep our speech clean. That's a lot. That's a big ask, isn't it? All this sounds pretty obvious, but very hard to achieve. What sounds more exciting is a, speaking, a speaker talking about reaching your community for Christ or one talking about taming your wayward tongue. We might struggle with Paul's call to be radical because it's a lot easier to love the lost who we haven't seen than it is our wife, our husband, or our partner who we see every day. We don't like it because forgiveness is hard and doing what just pleases ourselves is easy. We don't like it because we would rather be known for doing something amazing than be obscure and just keeping the peace. We don't like it because Paul in his teaching says a lot about submission and not very much about evangelising. The call to be radical isn't really radical at all. The Christian life is not about going someplace for Jesus or doing great things for him. It's about being holy. It's about being holy right where we are at our moment in time. It's loving our brothers and sisters in our churches. It's being faithful to our family obligations. It's working out our vacation in a fallen world. And if we do this, I think we're being radical enough. We want to be people who are all on the same level as Jesus, learning to live his way at all times, in all places, and in every area of our lives. In other words, we've got to be rooted and established in the love of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, Paul tells us the result of this strengthening. He writes, Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ is to make his home in your heart. Christ is to be the very centre of your life. I wonder how many times we've said that in this church since Steve and myself came just over a year, a year ago. Christ has got to be the very centre of this church. Your life will be deeply rooted in him. Christ must become the controlling factor in our attitude and in our conductor, uh, conductor, our conduct. Our inner being is being strengthened by God through the Holy Spirit, resulting in a deep, permanent dwelling of Christ in our hearts through faith. There's two images used in this um, reading. Um, and Paul uses it to communicate his idea uh, of radical. First of all, it's being rooted. And secondly, it's established in love. Being rooted carries an agricultural image and being established carries an image of architecture. And this is about your strength. You'll be stabilised in your life like a strong tree is rooted in the ground or like a powerful building properly established. Trees are amazing, aren't they? You know, I mean, we had some pretty strong winds last week. Uh, we've got one right outside our bedroom window and lounge and it swears from side to side. And quite often I'm like, that tree's going to go over. But it doesn't because it's well rooted in the ground. It's rooted well in the ground so that it doesn't, it's constructed to not fall over or to come down, although sometimes they do. To be honest, maybe when we get older, we fall down a bit. Also, when a building is properly, properly established or constructed, it's enabled to withstand great forces that come with it. <clears throat> it's quite amazing the tallest buildings are constructed to sway from side to side. Uh, and if they didn't sway from side to side, they'd actually collapsed. <clears throat> Built properly and properly rooted, 
buildings and trees are created and prepared to handle extreme forces. And in the same way, our foundation is that love of God, that we are rooted and grounded in Jesus' love. So to live a radical life for Jesus isn't just about being 100% committed and being thorough in our discipleship. It's also about being rooted in him and in the spiritual disciplines that keep us rooted in him. And that's where this reading from Ephesians 3, 14, 21 comes in. Paul talks about being rooted and grounded in love so that we can know the breadth, the length, the height and the depth. Don't you just love that? The breadth, the length, the height and the depth of Christ's love. In other words, our power and energy our for mission comes from being firmly, deeply rooted in Christ's love for us. To live radically is a call first and foremost to deeper and more intimate relationships with God. Writer Sky Jathani says this brilliantly. He says, I'm saying it, do you know what? I don't know if it's a woman. This is one of Steve's quotes he gave me, Sky Jathani. I don't know if it's a male or female, if I'm quite honest. All the rest of it is Steve giving me these two quotes to use, and I'm like, so I just popped them in. <laughs> I have a clue what it's male or female. Anyway, Sky Jathani, whoever it is, says it brilliantly. The truly radical Christian is not the one whose life appears extraordinary, but the one whose unseen communion with God is extraordinary. Living radically is about prayer, not prominence. Whether it's the knee or a she, it's brilliant. Paul recognised that we can't do anything on our own. We need the Almighty God to get us through this life. It's not impossible to try and do it on his own, but without the power of Jesus, believe me, it's not going to be easy to get to that next kingdom. You know, we really need to do it in Jesus' power. Paul is a perfect example, example for being rooted in Christ, and he wants us to learn from his knowledge and experience. We all know the story of Saul who persecuted the Christians. We first encountered Saul as a young man. Um, it, 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 was, um, it was at the stoning of Stephen. Uh, but though young, Saul seemed to hold some official role. We read in the book of Acts that the witnesses laid aside the robes at his feet, at the feet of this young man. So Luke, the, the writer of Acts, tells us that Saul is somebody quite important in hardly in agreement. The book of King James Version, it says, consenting, to, consenting unto his death. The book of King James Version is consenting unto his death. Luke sort of continues his narrative describing this zealous man as ravaging the church. And we rightly, rightfully describe him as Saul, the persecutor of Christians. You live your life like this, and there's only going to be one outcome if you don't change. But as we know, Jesus got hold of Saul on the road to Damascus, changing his ways, his life, and his attitude. And we all have our cho a choice for our destiny when it comes to the end of this mortal life. Remember, Paul lived an hard life. He had no wife, no children to love him or to love back. No home to come home to each night after work. No bank account. He was padding for retirement. His call from God kept him on the road, usually on foot, taking the Gospels from town to town, writing the Gospel in letters, usually from prison, being rejected more than accepted or beaten or stoned. And Paul 
quite often was starving in a bad way. But Paul understood and accepted this more than most. Remember, Paul used to be the persecutor, not the persecuted. But as Paul becomes the persecuted, he needed supernatural strength, patience and resolve just to live each day. And he realised many of Christians of his day were experiencing similar persecution as they trusted Jesus with their lives. Some lost their jobs. Some were thrown out of their families or homes. Some were beaten or even killed. Power, strength was needed just to survive. This, this is a guy who's just been on this earth for like, what, 30, 40 years? I mean, he's not, he's, I mean, he's there spiritually. But he was only on this earth three years and people have given their life to him, to Jesus. Now, despite our current political leadership, exclamation mark, even the financial burden put on every one of us at this moment in time, believe me when I say the majority of us don't live in difficult times. But many of our fellow Christians on this earth do in many parts of the world. However, What would your life be like if the power of of God that sustained Paul was the same power unleashed from God into your life today? What difference would that make for you? Paul is urging us to ask God. Ask God for more of his power in our daily lives which will enable us to live each day more like Jesus would live. If he was in our shoes, our relationships, facing the challenges of life we face, How would he act? From the moment of Paul's conversion on that Damascus road, most of the people Paul encountered for the rest of his life were opposed to him and the message. Think about that, my friends. This guy, Paul, probably, he's probably done more for Christianity than anybody else, but at the time, everybody were rejecting Paul. Everybody opposed him. If we study all of Paul's letters, we realise he had friends who were called the church. In all of the places he went over time, they trusted Paul's gospel and then they turned to Jesus and they were transformed by God. Many of those, it didn't come quickly or easily. For many more, they never believed. Just think about that. What kept this man going day after day when he was rejected more than he was accepted? When he faced anger much more than love. And when he was hit more than he was hugged. All of us welcome affirmation, appreciation, words of encouragement, even affection. None of us welcome rejection, abandonment and anger. But Paul, understanding that a follower of Jesus will face much of the same opposition Jesus faced. So he prays here for the power of love. Only when a follower of Jesus is convinced that God loves them deeply, unconditionally, as a beloved son or daughter, will the power of God's love sustain us in difficulty. I I pray that you agree with that. And if you believe God's love is conditional, that God will love you only when you obey him or when you are doing spiritual things, or only if you do all in right things, then you've got a very unclear understanding of God's love. And my friends, that distortion will actually turn you bitter rather than drawn into a love relationship with God. 
Romans 5.8 tells us, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is one of many verses which proves God's love for us doesn't depend on on, on our behaviour or even our response to God. One of the great and consistent themes of the Bible story is the consistent, powerful, life-changing love of God. You and I can never fully grasp it, but we can try. And the more we experience God's powerful love, the more it actually empowers us in facing our own daily challenges. Paul has prayed that you would have enduring spiritual strength. The result of that strengthening by God through the Spirit is that you will be rooted and grounded because God is at home in your life, the very centre of your life. You should desire this strengthening and pray for this strengthening so that you may know the love of Christ because that will be the catalyst that transform your life to the fullness of God. You can be transformed. You can have radically new life. You can be strengthened by God through the Spirit. You can be rooted and grounded in love. And you can have strength in your inner being. God can do all of this through his strength. Not only can he do it, what he asks is is that we can do it all together. In fact, he says we can do more than all we ask. And he can do it abundantly. The power is seen that God can do all that we ask. Bishop Tom Wright, and this is one of my quotes, not Steve, says this. The church is at present a colony of heaven with a responsibility, as we say in the Lord's Prayer, for bringing life of heaven to bear on earth. We are not, of course, very good at doing this. We often find ourselves weak and helpless, and our physical bodies themselves are growing old and tired, decaying and ready to die. But our hope is that the true saviour, the true King Jesus himself, will come from heaven and change all that. He is going to transform the entire world so that it is full of his glory, full of the life and the power of heaven. Full of his glory, the life and power of heaven. It's God's love poured into us that empowers us to love the people who have hurt us or gossiped about us or rejected us or broken promise to us or cheated us. We've done all those things to God, yet he still loves us deeply more. And as we understand and receive that unconditional love from him, we are then able to extend to others. As we understand and receive that unconditional love from God, then we're able to extend it to other people. That's what Paul is praying you and I will experience here in Ephesians 3. So I urge you to ponder that deeply. It's miraculous. It's life-changing. Living empowered by God's unconditional love. It is radical. So how do you measure God's unconditional love for you? If you take a look at the last two verses today, it says, Now to him, God the Father, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That, my friends, is one of the most powerful statements in the Bible. And it's Paul's prayer today for you and for me. 
And I urge you to take it word by word, phrase by phrase, and ask the Holy Spirit to soak you in its truth, to penetrate your heart, your mind with it. And I challenge you with it, my friends. Do you believe God can do immeasurably more than anything you could ever ask God for or imagine? Do you believe God unleashes his power into normal people like you and me? Do you believe God wants to bring great glory to himself through your lives, your family, our church or your church? God's glory is to be seen in us, the body of Christ, the church, live for the glory of God. So if we put all this into the context of this series regarding vision and values, regarding radical discipleship, Reverend Steve Harvey writes, we want to be people who are all in on Jesus, learning to live his way at all times, in all places, and in every area of our lives. That's something that we all say, but my question is, do we do it? Do we do it? We want to be people who are all in on Jesus, learning to live his way at all times, in all places, and in every area of our lives. Just going back to the beginning at the word radical, meaning to be rooted in. We are a church that needs to be totally rooted in Christ, in everything we do, not just here at Christ Church, but in every part of our lives. And I want to finish with the last part of Tom Wright's quote again. He is going to transform our bodies so that they are like his glorious body, the body which itself transformed after his cruel death so that it became wonderfully alive again with a life that death and decay could never touch. My friends, God's glory is to be seen in us, the body of Christ, the church. So brothers and sisters, we must live for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how good it is to glorify your holy name. How blessed we are to have been called out of spiritual darkness and death and brought into the light of the glorious gospel of grace to receive that amazing grace and receive the new life in Christ. We thank you that we are part of the body of Christ and that in the ages to come we will demonstrate your goodness and your grace to all generations forever and ever. Thank you, Father, for our great salvation. And may we never become complacent in our faith, but live and work for your glory in this world and the ages to come. So, Father, this morning I pray that we can all be rooted in you. Like that building, like that tree, our roots are deeply, deeply embedded in you. To embrace that love that you give us, even in such a dark world, you've still not given up on us. And Lord, I just pray that as your church, we can fully give that love back to you and be a transformed church, a radical church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.